This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. It's about creating a sense of identity. You know, for us, it's about the idea behind, you know, you've got your profile uh, photo in gaming. You're always associated with your name, your name tag, your gamer tag, for lack of a better word, and your profile photo. We want a fractured ape to represent that profile photo. Further to that, we want to incorporate a system where if you're very, very good, you excel at certain games, and it creates not only, it kind of creates those two things that we were looking for, a community that has an identity towards it, these fractured apes in this big gaming community, but more importantly, that competitive aspect, which is a big part of gaming. As you guys know, we have recently partnered with SwiftX, Australia's most trusted crypto exchange. Fun little story for you. Um, when they reached out to us, I wanted to make sure that I tested the product. We're not going to sell anything that we don't test. Uh, and after using the product, we transferred every single one of our crypto assets uh, across from Binance to SwiftX. Now, there's three reasons why. First of all, the UX UI and the customer experience is amazing. It's really, really simple. It's not daunting uh, like the others out there. Um, number two is the fact that uh, they have a really great customer um, uh, experience team uh, that look after you. Um, you know, if you email them, they're right there next to you, which is really important when you're dealing with something new, um, especially you know as it relates to crypto, because it can be quite confusing. And number three, it's Australian owned. And here on Pivotal Conversations, we back Australian companies, and that was a massive part of the decision for us. So if you want to start your crypto journey, or you're not happy with your current exchange, you find it daunting and hard to use then you can sign up with SwiftX using our affiliate link. Now, when you sign up using our affiliate link, they'll also give you a bonus $20 in Bitcoin. So thank you very much, SwiftX. You can find our affiliate link in the description below, but most of all, guys, I really hope you enjoy the episode. And once again, thanks for the support. Joshy boy, welcome to the podcast. It's Craigan. I think you're my only three-time guest. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel Apart proud. from Brayton. Braden, Apart yeah. from Braden, but my only three-time guest. Oh, quite proud of that. <laughs> I mean, we have some good convos. I think at that, you know, like I, I listen back to them, and I think it's because we we're both curious people. Yeah. So you know, we we kind of we don't come in with an agenda. We just kind of explore and and see where it will take us. But um, you're always doing cool shit as well, which <laughs> is which is you know uh, uh, probably another big reason. It's it's good to kind of get your insight into the, the, obviously the investing world was where we kind of started and, and obviously your kind of journey um, in, in what you, you know, well, it's probably a past career now, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. A, a past career now, I mean, in helping people climb the corporate ladder and then we started to explore NFTs together because you were kind of going down the rabbit hole and, and um, now you have your own project um, yeah. which you're working on, which is, which is pretty awesome. So, we obviously have a bit of a chat about that today and and kind of explore, um, you know, what you've been doing. Mm. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about Fractured Apes. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you kind of got started into it. Um, you know, what, what's the story behind that? And, and um, we can then start to dive into, you know, what you've been doing and, and what's been occupying your time. Yeah, no, it was a, it's, it's quite a crazy story. The... Um the full story is quite crazy. So the original concept was I initially bought Board Ape, right? So I bought that in private and secret. I kind of try to keep all that stuff kind of private, but I bought it. Now, my intention was is when you buy it, you get associated in another group with like the owners and everything, right? So the idea, original idea behind it was to take that Board Ape and my older brother. So my older brother is a Tamoko artist. So that's Moldy Tattoos. Mm. So what I had intended to do was go to him and say, hey, can you take this, do something with it, incorporating our culture, and I just want to try and see if I can get it across the line with the owners and see if there's something that could spark some interest in them there to do something with it. Mm. And again, it was just like a financial thing for me, right? He, funnily enough, said no. Now, the reason why he said no was basically for, I guess, cultural reasons, purposes, very deeply spiritual, spiritually rooted with our uh, culture. So for him, it was a no. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Respect it. Uh, admire it quite a lot. And then I moved to my cousins, who were also quite, um, they're artists, they're always drawing. <coughs> so I gave them the concept. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll do something. Now, I had no expectations of anything grand. 
I basically had the expectation that they'll throw a bit of muko and everything along on the actual picture itself, and then I'll take it from there. But what ended up happening is they came back with some crazy designs. Like, they came back with about three or four designs where I was like, I did not anticipate this level of quality to come out of you guys. I was like, this is crazy. This is clearly showing a lot of skill that you guys have. And then that instilled in me saying, we have to do something our, ourselves, you know? The three of us, we, we have to do something together if this is the level of quality that you're putting out. Because it reminded me, and I'm thinking, I'm speaking from the art perspective of NFTs, it reminded me of actual, the artistic side of it, where it's like someone would put that on their wall. Like what you guys are creating is actual art that people would actually appreciate. Mm. So we have to do something ourselves. So that's where the original idea came from. And then from there, I think one of the biggest things about NFTs, right, is everyone's constantly talking about creating one and trying to create utility, create something to service uh, their community that they're creating. And we wanted to do something different. We were like, why are we, because we kept thinking that same process. What can we do to bring in a community? What can we do to create a community? What can we do? What can we do? And then we realized that the common thing amongst us all, besides being creative people in general, was that we all loved gaming. Like, we just loved video games and everything, right? <clears throat> and gaming is huge. It's a huge, in fact, it's getting much larger. And, you know, if you incorporate it with the metaverse and everything, it's getting monstrous now. Mm -hmm. So we were like, instead of trying to create our own com um, community to service, why don't we service a community that's already there? And that's where the idea of incorporating uh, NFT that's based around gaming, but also around acknowledging the efforts and the skills, or skills of certain gamers. And... Um, incorporating that into the project design through all these random things we're doing, like evolving your NFT based on how good you are in our tournaments and everything. So that's how we started going that way. And it's been going quite well ever since. Everything's inspired with that, you know, all of our designs, our artworks, all inspired by that gaming, gaming basically uh, all of our gaming backgrounds, and it's getting incorporated into servicing that community. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's been wild, just crazy at the moment. So how long have you been working on it now? Uh, on the back end, about four months. So yeah. this originally started in October, October, November. Yeah, about October. And that's when we just started conceptualizing, designing, making sure that we started understanding the technology. I mean, you know, we were still quite new. I understood the value of NFTs in terms of NFT as a, um, as a technology, but actually incorporating it and figuring out all of those aspects, that was foreign territory to me. Mm. Yeah. Amazing, <coughs> amazing. And so what, I guess what's your elevator pitch for the, for the project then? So because obviously, you know, for the listener at home, I think, I think it'll paint a good picture and probably set us up for the rest of the conversation. But... You know, what's the elevator pitch? Like, why, why actually create an NFT? What does an NFT do for that community or in terms of your NFT? Okay, so for our one specifically, when you were talking again, and I feel like this encompasses most of the artistic side, so all of those projects that are based purely, for lack of a better word, on JPEGs and stuff, it's about creating a sense of identity. You know, for us, it's about the idea behind, you know, you've got your profile uh, photo in gaming and all of your gaming areas, whether you're on Xbox, PlayStation, computer, whatever, you're always associated with your name, your name tag, your gamer tag, for lack of a better word, and your profile photo. We want a fractured ape to represent that profile photo. Further to that, we want to incorporate a system where if you're very, very good, you excel at certain games, your profile photo, so your fractured ape, kind of evolves alongside that to acknowledge the fact that you're, you're, you know, you're a step above the average gamer. And it creates not only, it kind of creates those two things that we were looking for, a community that has an identity towards it, these fractured apes in this big gaming community, but more importantly, that competitive aspect, which is a big part of gaming. If you're good, you can show it. You know, you can flex your ape because your one looks a little bit different to everyone else's because of how good you are. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been the main draw card. And that's what's pulling most of the attention. You know, right now we've actually got quite a few, a couple big, big streamers, uh, you know, Twitch streamers, who absolutely love the concept and they love the idea of being able to show off their skills with something quite literal. You know, instead of just being known by their name now, it's like their, their ape actually represents them. And the better they get, the more it evolves into a much more dramatic looking NFT. And it's highlighting the fact that their skill set is just so high. You know, their skill cap is very, very high. 
So that's the elevator pitch for us, created by gamers for gamers, basically. Amazing, amazing. And then so how does the technology weave into <coughs> that then, right? So that's obviously the philosophy. Um, how does the technology actually solve a problem there, if that makes sense? Yeah, so, well, the, the technology for us is obviously the inherent nature of an NFT being that it's unique. So anytime we generate one of these, it's a unique one. They're the owner of it. They, it's theirs, they have the every, every right from a commercial perspective. So whatever they want to do with their ape, they don't own the fractured ape name, but they do own their NFT, right? And then the, the way the um, technology works, obviously, is we have that back end where we have those systems built up to basically allow them to evolve their ape. So there's stages to it, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense that they start off here. Now, if they go into one of these community tournaments that we have and they just dominate everyone, then that allows them to go back go to their NFT, original NFT, submit their old their old NFT, it burns away and generates a completely new NFT that looks a lot better than the old one. Now, this actually solves a couple problems. If we're talking from a financial perspective, um, one of the big problems, not problems with NFTs, with these generated projects, is that there's so many of them, right? So you, did, you try to figure out which one's worth which or whatever. Now, the only typical way is through rarity, but because of the way that our system's set up, because the apes actually evolve, all of a sudden the ones that are quite raw and quite fresh and have never been tainted or touched before, there becomes a lot less of them. So the floor price of them also gets elevated. So our technology obviously supports people who not only want to actually play in these games and get to a point where their one looks so unique that people just go, I really want that one. But everyone at the bottom that's not necessarily involved in that aspect, their ones are inherently becoming more rare as people go up the ladder mm -hmm. because there becomes less of those ones as well. So it's quite fascinating. So rather than it just being a photo that you've got here, there's actually some tangible, there's tangible utility to it in that sense. Yeah, amazing. And then so the way that actually, you know, so the evolvement of the NFT from an individual standpoint, which is that, you know, which creates that identity that you're talking about is um, obviously, you know, going into tournaments that you guys are hosting and, and uh, competing. And, and then, you know, obviously the, uh, is it, the way is it coming first? Is there like a is it a top ten thing? Is it you know do they earn points? Do they earn token? Like how does it how does it actually work? There's actually there's actually a multitude of things that we are doing because we're incorporating it on every aspect. You know because mm. obviously some people might not necessarily play in tournament ready games. So let's say there's a Call of Duty, right? Call of Duty is probably the one people know most of, or FIFA Sport as an example. There's going to be people that are good in that top five. They get that opportunity to evolve, right? But then we have single-player games where, because gaming has achievements now, we can target achievements where if people were the first to reach those achievements, then all of a sudden they also get that opportunity to evolve their apes. And then the final one that we've been doing, because of the artistic capabilities of the team of my two cousins, um, we've been putting out real unique custom ones, right? We're giving the community an opportunity to win those through very big tournaments. So big tournaments where that one winner, maybe five of them, five of them in a year, for example, they get the opportunity to sit with our two creators, our two artists, and create one from complete scratch. Now, we feel like that alone is probably going to draw a lot of draw cards from a lot of the bigger players in that industry because it allows them to now create something that's uh, purely uniquely representative of them. So, mm. yeah, it's, you know, it's all around that idea of being good at games and playing those games. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Awesome. I think, I think, you know, the conversation we just had around your project just shows the... The nature of blockchain technology, which is like you can really do whatever the fuck you want, right? Yeah. And I think that's I was listening to Gary Vee before, um, just talk about uh, he was answering a question, and it was kind of like um, <coughs> someone asked him the question of like you know um, what kind of utility does he want to see, and he's like, well, more importantly, it's not really necessarily what I want to see, but it's like what what is the possibility because you can kind of do anything. Right, like, and he was kind of saying, like, you know, I'd love to buy an island, and then V friends would get access. Only V friends would get access to the island, and and all these kind of things. But kind of coming back to that point is that really we're looking at access, identity, and ownership of they're kind of the three main pillars in which you can actually start to create those different kind of utility or create utility in a sense. Right, so I think. Again, it's it's more about going. Okay, well, what what are the potentials here? And I think it forces creativity and innovation, especially this early on. A hundred percent. I think more than anything, <coughs> part of me is that um, ownership. 
you know, if we if we take away all the fluff and everything, everyone's perceptions of NFTs, and we look purely at the technology, is ownership. You know, it's verifiable ownership, and that should be exciting to any creator. You know, I mean, the best example is, let's say you have an artist, right? And let's say Picasso, right? Or what's that famous painting, the Mona Lisa? Mm. Now, imagine a scenario where obviously the artist created it first. And then that's their only involvement in it. Once it's out there, irrespective of what they've done, they never get to see any other, you know, monetization of it. It's gone, trades hands, whatever. Further to that, there's, multi there's a multitude of fakes out there, right? We all know where the real one is, but there are fakes out there. Now, NFTs kind of can eliminate both of those issues because now you can create a physical art piece, but sell the NFT that's associated with it. So how do we identify if you're looking at the real physical art piece? Well, does that person have the NFT? Yep, verified, fantastic. Now let's say they, you know, the original artist sold that for a thousand dollars, but then that person sells it for ten thousand. That original owner can have commission on there for for lifetime, you know, for ten percent. So they might get a thousand every time it trades hands. So that's why that, it's exciting. And that's a that's a term written into the contract, right? And yep. that's something that can be written at the start. So the thing with NFTs is is they're immutable. So you can't change anything within the contract. <coughs> you can add to it whenever you want. So, you know, you, we could put a 10% royalty in so then, then, you know, every time that NFT is sold or that piece of artwork, that royalty then, you know, obviously automatically because it's it's written into that, that you know, uh, written in code and in that digital contract executes those terms and you know let's say because all i have to do is connect my wallet if i'm that artist as long as my wallet is connected to that contract that royalty will be executed automatically um and that's something that we've just never seen before you know and and i think that can even start to open your mind as to what could potentially happen even around access right if i had a club uh, and people wanted to be a part of that club, um, you know, naturally, or even, you know, like Gary Vee's doing, where you're getting access to a conference or something like that. And it's kind of like, so, you know, if your NFT is the ticket in and is what gets you access, every time, you know, and, and you're continuously building a brand, <coughs> as that brand grows, every time a sale of that NFT happens, and let's say the price is going up, you're getting a royalty of that from being the original creator of that club, um, which is just something that we, we haven't seen before around events. It's something that we haven't seen around, uh, you know, usually clubs are in some type of subscription model. So if I want to be part of this club for, um, you know, let's say two years, usually I'm paying a subscription on that month on month. I'm not actually getting... Um, rewarded for being an early adopter or someone who was one of the first people in that whereas with nfts you could you could you know you could buy the nft for a hundred dollars uh and you know that nft could be worth ten thousand in 12 to 24 months time or however long it is purely based on the fact that they have built their brand um along the way which i think to follow on from that, it creates a really cool and interesting dynamic for businesses and creators to actually raise capital and and to um, create relationships with their early adopters. A hundred percent. It's quite funny that you bring up that point because there's actually a project, and I, this is how how what do you call it? New all of this is right. How you know how early we are, but there's a project I'm doing that genuinely it's such a mind blowing idea that I'm almost hesitant to talk about it, not because I don't trust you, but because this is going out to the public, right? And that's what I mean. Oh, you can trust the guys too. <laughs> yeah. I swear they won't tell anyone. It's like, but like, <laughs> it's a, again, to just, it's like in our minds and everyone that we're working on, it's a million dollar idea based around pretty much the concepts that you're already talking about right there, right? You're 100% you're right. You can have something that has an initial value of X, but because of the brand building that you're doing behind it, it becomes a value Y down the end. And the person, the original person is getting rewarded for it as an early adopter. You're also getting the royalty for it. It's just, again, if people can't understand that, they should try their absolute hardest to start learning it because it is definitely something, whether you like it or not, it's something that's going to become very heavily incorporated into everything. 100%. And I think, you know, like, we kind of, we were kind of touching on it before, but the idea of having a community 
and having a brand and then being able to integrate in with it and then the idea of having a project that can help you build a brand uh, or building a brand around that and, and kind of the different dynamic there is there, right? Like if you're a community that has to build a brand, you almost have to build that trust to get the project off the ground. So you have to kind of put in that groundwork at the start and then there's the other the opposite where you've got you already got a community and you just need to integrate the technology to leverage that. And and we've seen that with kind of, I don't know if you know the Nelk boys. Yeah. But, you know, their their project. The Meta Cards or something, wasn't right, it? Yeah. Yeah. They did like 25 million yeah. in sales on, on, on their first offer, which is basically a fundraise for them to go out and do the things that they've always wanted to do. Um, and, you know, that's like even with us, like, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not in a rush because we're already doing the brand building. You know what I mean? Like, um, and that's something that we're really excited about exploring and we're not trying to rush into it just because we don't need to, you know what I mean? Like uh, we actually want to get it right, if that makes sense, um, and build it and integrate it in with what we're doing. Um, so it's kind of like, we're th- again, that's something that we're really excited about and, and it's good because we're already doing the things that we need to do. Like we're, you know, we're, we're, I think we're at 76K on, on TikTok now and Instagram's growing really quickly and we're, you know, we... we um, we reached number 10 in Australia for entrepreneurship um, in terms of the, the category for podcasting um, two weeks ago. So That's we've crazy. been kind of borderline all around there. But something that we're really excited about is, okay, what's the next step of how we can kind of give our community access, greater access to, say, some of our guests mm. um, and, you know, access to potential events and what kind of other utility can we actually start to bring in to, to what we do and, and that's something that we're really excited about actually, you know, going on that journey. But um, that's the thing I'm most interested in is like this space moves so quickly and like you kind of see new projects popping up every week and you're like, oh, like that's interesting. Like, I don't know. Do you know the guys at Dead Diamond Society? I don't know them, but I have been paying attention to it, of course. It's yeah. interesting, the Dow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know that I know the guys pretty well. I've had a... a I mean, we had the Owl Group who are, are part of it on a few weeks ago, but a few of the other guys. But, you know, what they did is they're basically using it, turning it into a DAO, which is a decentralised organisation. Um, and they used it to raise money. And, and a part of what being a part of that DAO is, they've gone out and they're going to start spending the, all the money raised on some of these projects. So they bought, you know, a bought ape. They, um, their plans of buying land in Sandbox and few other different things as well um so i thought that was really interesting and i think they did close to two million in sales off the get-go which was was pretty cool so then they got to go out and spend that and they executed it straight away right so they were a company that comes in and actually has to build a brand initially right Mm. you know so it's a little bit different to to kind of maybe a position i'm in and, and you obviously had to go away and do that too yeah, it, and it's quite interesting, I think, highlighting their point of using them as an example. The uh, the transparency is huge, right? Because that's the thing. Public wallets, easily able to identify what they've purchased and what they've bought into, so you can clearly see what's going on relative to, again, putting your money into something and not really knowing because it's just behind an iron curtain, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, that's that's the aspect about it that I like. And further to your point, I think when you're talking about not rushing it, and that's probably one of the things that I think people undervalue in this area and why you see so many projects popping up and then, for lack of better words, turning into what they call it a rug pull and everything Mm. and then disappearing. Authenticity. It still comes down to what are you doing? Are you building it authentically and you're building some tangible utility behind it? That's what creates that long-lasting kind of NFT as well. So it's cool because, yeah, that's you know it's awesome to hear you hear it saying that as well. I just had the craziest idea in my head <laughs> that we're going to have to talk about after Okay, this. let's do it. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> See, is this the, a... Yeah, 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 this is very... Juices are flowing, right. eh? Yeah, oh, exactly. Right, right. Um, um, <laughs> awesome. So, so what's, what are your biggest learnings then, right? So, so you've been working on a project. You've been hands-on for four months now, actually understanding the technology, skin in the game. You know, like, that's a big part of this as well that I think whether you're investing or you're doing your own project, but skin in the game where you're forced to learn and you're forced to kind of start to think about what are some of the mistakes that I could have, I could make here. What's your biggest learnings from a, from a, uh, you know, from a business standpoint. So from, a, you know, being a founder uh, and then also from an investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It, it's quite interesting because there's a lot of fundamentals in there that you don't consider until you are put, you know, you are put in a position where you have to. Like, for example, transparency. You know, uh, there, were, there was a few times in our project, for example, where we were shifting dates around. And when we'd put a date out publicly and we'd change it out in our minds, we're like, oh, well, you know, you can't necessarily just go ahead and change things like that. You have to be transparent within your community, otherwise your community just won't, you know, won't have faith in what you're doing. So that transparency, while it sounds so simple, it's so hard for you to come out there and say and be authentic and say, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And, you know, just ensuring that everyone is understanding what you're actually doing because they have faith. You've got to ensure that, you know, the people that you're trying to convince to buy into it have faith in what you're doing. Um, the other big part from that perspective, which I, again, because my whole background is like finance and everything like that, and it's quite quite self-serving. You know, mm. my whole my whole MO, MO before all of this was quite self-serving. Now, you, when you're effectively a leader, you kind of have to really ensure that you're guiding the community in the right direction and just ensure that you're actually, you know, leading the community the right way. So that's that's one big thing, ensuring that you're actually paying attention to your community and servicing it instead of just, um, yeah, ignoring it and just thinking that it'll grow and be authentic within itself. It's like, no, if you're not there pushing the, uh, pushing the message consistently, you don't, don't anticipate that community to understand where they're going and then therefore not buy into it. Um, from the from a financial side, it's I guess ensuring that you are firm in what you're trying to create. Because if you don't understand what you're trying to create, no one else will get the point of what you're trying to establish. And if you can't establish that, you can't really anticipate it to be a success. You know, especially again, we've got to talk about the financial side, the floor price, etc. That's not going to work if you're not firm in where you're going. It's so easy to lose that, um, lose that focus and start looking at what everyone else is doing, especially if you're trying to grow authentically and you're not necessarily doing all the tricks of the trade. You know, example, we're not really buying into the whole trying to get shout-outs from here, there, and everywhere. If they're not a streamer or not involved in gaming, we don't want to hear about them or mm. don't want to hear from them. And sometimes, you know, it gets you, you've, you've got to ensure that you're keeping on that track so that you don't start doing things that compromise the project. Because the moment you compromise the integrity of the project, you can forget about it being a financial success. So mm. that's been a struggle within itself. And um, yeah, brand identity is one huge thing. You know, it's one thing, not only brand identity, but being able to convey that across to people. Because while in your mind, you might have it all figured out. You know, this is why it's good, right? Everyone has a great idea, but if you can't sell a great idea, then it's it's just going to be another great idea that never was, right? Mm. And yeah, it's never more true than when you're at the forefront of doing something, especially at the forefront of new technology, because you've got to also educate people while simultaneously trying to convince them that that's how, how you're incorporating your project into this new technology and why they should buy into it. Mm. So being able to, you know, narrate your project out to multiple, to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and ensure that they get it as much as you get it. That's yeah. You you would you would know, I guess you know, especially with everything that you're doing as well. So yeah, those have been the biggest challenges for me. Oh, hundred percent. I think you know when you're building something, just from a business standpoint, <coughs> transparency's always been a massive thing. You know, like you can't promise something and then not deliver, and then expect people to come back to you straight running back the next time, wanting you know. Wanting, wanting the product or wanting anything you're selling again. Um, but I think with blockchain, it, it kind of takes that to the next level. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because there is ownership involved now, you know, like, and, and that's, there's, there's enhanced um, benefits on the back end here and there's more to lose for people, mm. right? It's an unknown space. You know, people aren't, you know, like the reality is, is there's more to gain and more to lose. Yeah, higher highs, high, you know, higher bigger lows, right? And I think that's what creates less room for error when it comes to you know building in in the the you know the crypto and, and blockchain world. So that's something that's again why we're trying to take it really slow because we actually have a a brand that we're building that probably doesn't necessarily even I don't want to say that probably could get away with not using blockchain but could be so goddamn enhanced by using it so it's like we had you know going slow is one of those things and and kind of reiterate your point of being transparent and making sure that you execute and 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 
kind of sticking to the plan, if that makes sense, and not going too far outside of that <coughs> brand identity. Um, all right, so what about from an investor standpoint then, right? So, because you've obviously been, you, you, as I said before, you've been building. So from an investor standpoint, what can you tell people at home from the rigorous amounts of research and, and work that you've been putting in that can help them start to navigate the space? Not from, say, looking to flip an NFT, but if someone comes in and says, oh, I don't know where to start or, you know, I, I really want to get into this space, but I'm just not sure how to think about it. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned that you can share with that person? Yeah, that's that's a good one. It's It's... It's interesting, right? I've always come back from a from an investment perspective. I've always had the um, saying that the best form of investment is the one that you know most about. Now, with the NFT space, because of the way that it works and it's associated with so many things, first thing that you should realistically be looking for is um, a common ground for you in the sense that if there's a project that is involved in an area or something of interest that you know, uh, let's just say it's gaming or anime or something like that, where you're like, hey, I I understand the value of that from that perspective. Like, that's really cool. The artwork's cool. The project that they're doing sounds really, really interesting because I can understand the subject matter. That's number one. That never changes no matter what you're doing, right? Is you've got to find a common ground. You've got to find an understanding based on your own interest and in whatever you're looking at. Mm. First and foremost. Second from there... Uh, for me is again authenticity you know and that comes down to <coughs> there's a lot of mania in this space and mania is typically caused by numbers hype excitement and everything like that and while initially that looks fantastic when you hear oh x project sold out its pre-sale or y project did this these numbers that's brilliant but that kind of wording you got to be careful of because that can get you caught in the caught in the white noise you know You've got to avoid all of that, all of that speech and just ensure that you can see through that and see what the group's actually doing, what the community's doing. Mm. Is it authentic? Do you understand the subject matter? And are you able to see the actual value in what they're creating? You know, does it make sense to you? If it doesn't, you should just steer clear of it. Mm. But if it does and you see the authenticity, you see that the, the owners actually care, there's, there's constant interactions in that group, in their Discord group or community, wherever they have it, that's another good sign to me. And uh, just ensuring what the actual community itself is discussing. You know, if, if the community is just flooded with nothing but discussions of floor prices and everything else, it's likely that it's, it's not going to have any legs. It might have legs in the long term if the project's still good, but if it's not and that's all that's being discussed, then I tend to look, look the other way from it. I try to look for what are people actually talking about in these communities. Are they authentic? Are they talking about what the project is about? Is there common, you know, in these off-topic groups, for example, are they actually having discussions in there or are they just sitting there just talking about other things to pass the time while they wait for Mint to occur? So it's about that, right? It's, again, authenticity. If you're looking at that community, is it authentic? Is the project authentic? Do you understand it? Can you relate to it? Do you like the artwork? Then buy into it, right? And as always, only ever buy into something if you have the money to lose, if you're comfortable with losing the money. Especially in that space. Especially in this space. Yeah. What uh, have you come across any projects lately that have been rug pulls? That like as an example, like. Absolutely. I mean, I don't really want to say them out loud. I think you probably know the one that I'm gonna. I want to say. <laughs> but oh, mate, I'm all, I'm I'm happy to. I, I I think I agree with you on this one. Yeah, I think it's. Um, You're gonna cop some backlash if you say it. Aren't I you? I will. I will. And do you, do you want to know why I will? I'm happy to say why I will. And I feel like I'm allowed to say this, but the majority of the people I feel that are involved in it are my people, Polyn Polynesian people. And unfortunately, when we we have that low socioeconomic background, lottery mentality. We we don't like the idea of talking about, I don't want to go off topic too much, but whenever I bring up this conversation to friends and family saying, this is how you get to financial stability, they say to me, it's not all about the money. But when someone comes to them and say, hey, look at my Rolex, you can make a million dollars tomorrow if you buy this, they're all of a sudden, it's all about money. And that's what I feel like that they've been doing is they've just been looking at projects, the people that are pushing and promoting the projects and saying, I want to be them. 
and they think that by buying into these things, they're going to become them. And even the discussions in it. I sat in one of them. I sat in this specific one. They have a lot of voice channels. That's probably going to give it away. They have a lot of voice discussions, and people will say they're getting value out of them. But as someone as a, again, almost a decade in financial, you know, financial investments and everything now, it's just a bunch of people talking. It's not really providing any of that value. So I think that that's that thing, right? You've just got to be careful that you're... Because you get caught at the top in those ones, right? Like, and that's the thing is like, it's good until it's not. And when it's not, it goes down quicker than it went up, as, as quick as it went up. Mm. And I feel like that's the hardest thing is like, it's unrealized gains, right? You could have, you could have minted at, you know, 0.25 <coughs> ETH and the project gets to 2 ETH or 5 ETH or whatever it is, right? And then if that project is purely built on hype, which will push the floor price up, that's, that's going to happen. The problem that you'll see is that w when, when it's all said and done or when something goes wrong within that project, there's no substance that actually keeps people invested in it outside of the fact that it was there for money, right? Which that becomes a massive problem when you haven't realised those gains. Yeah. And in NFTs, it's not like you can sell a quarter of the thing or you can take your profits on it, or anything like that. It's a piece of artwork. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's your total exposure. Yeah. Total gone, right? Totally gone. And I think that's the problem that we are seeing at the moment is there's a lot of greed involved. Like everybody's getting into the space because of the opportunity of it um, and the opportunity to make money. Uh, and I think that, you know, it kind of reiterates your point of kind of getting into the space so that you're... No, or getting into a project that is authentic to a particular uh, category or, or person um, or, you know, um, industry and, and something like that, something that you would actually use regardless of the money. You know, I, I made, a, I made a, a, a promise to myself. That sounds bad. It sounds mm. like I'm fucking... I'm an <laughs> NFT addict or something. <laughs> I made it, but uh, I kind of looked at the space and said to myself, like, I'm only going to invest in projects that I think I could use in five years or, I, or brands that I think will still be around in five to ten years and brands that I know that are already existing in the real world. Um, and that strategy has actually put me in good stead and, and led me to kind of invest in some projects like the MetaCard you know, I watch their videos all the time. Like, it's hilarious. There's Their stuff's so funny. Um, but I think that I'm interested in content, right? They're at the peak of content. So that's why I invested in it. I want to see what these guys do. I want to engage in what they do and, I, and so on. And it's funny because it, it's led me down the path of investing in some projects, you know, that have done quite well. Like, my hit rate right now is a lot higher than what it was six months ago where I was just going to flip, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, I might have bought 10 projects back then and hit one that was great and kind of made me some money, whereas now I might have bought two or three and, and hit two of them or three of them. Not that that's the goal with them, though. You know what I mean? Well, it's on that point. It's quite interesting, right? It's like you should look at it, you should look at it from the perspective of, and again, if you, can, if you can see it, if you can see the value in it, then maybe others can see it as well, right? And think to yourself, how much value, by buying into this, how much value am I actually getting out? It's like a game, right? If I pay 100 bucks here and it serves, I play it 100 hours, it's a dollar an hour. Consider that a worthwhile investment if you're getting paid X amount per hour. It's like, hey, that's fantastic. Investment on my time for the enjoyment. And then you sell it for 50 bucks later. It's like, well, there you go. You know, you might not have made a technical profit, but you actually enjoyed it and got value out of it. Mm. If you approach it from that perspective, with the inherent way in which NFTs are created now, it's more likely that you're going to experience that profit and that kind of thing as well, but also you've got that value. So it's almost like, again, there's two ways you can look at it, which are both positive. So how you said, am I going to use this in five years? And the other way would be, how can I use this over five years? And if you can see yourself using it over five years, then think about it from that perspective. Go, mm -hmm. That's why I'm going to buy into it, because I actually want to use this. 100%. Yeah. That's 100%. That's exactly my last three investments. Yeah. What they've been and and it's funny cuz I'm not attached to the floor price. I don't I'm not attached to anything. I'm like I just want to I just want to be involved in this and and actually get to use it at some point, which I think is is obviously 
something that uh, you know I also think people should take that perception and 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 really kind of look at things that way. Um, cool, man. So, what are you most excited about in the space right now? Uh, the the things we haven't discovered yet. I had a re- there's one I can talk about. I had a really good conversation with a friend in terms of uh, how to put it into the music industry, for example. Again, how to handle contracts better. You know, associating contracts with those NFTs so that if you're a founder or someone, if you find find talent, you can build. Um, you know, you can bake it into that contract to ensure that you're getting your just dues as someone that discovered them early on and gave them that shot. You know, you can build things out that way. So it's kind of those things where we're not even thinking about it. You know, contracts for real estate, for actual physical real estate, mm. being an NFT now. You know, that that's going to happen. Um, it, it's going to happen. You know, we're, we're, I think more than anything, from a broad perspective, what crypto has taught us is that there are alternative ways to the current structure that we have. And with the current structure failing us quite, you know, quite, quite badly now, mm-hmm. Uh, we're more we're more than willing to explore those other opportunities, uh, those other avenues, and NFTs as a as a technology, it's going to become adopted, you know. And that's someone that was incredible. You you know this. That is someone that was incredibly reserved for crypto for a very long time. So, I I see I see long term value and long term implementation in various areas that we haven't even discovered yet. Music NFTs are the big one this year, in yeah. my opinion. That's that's the big one. I'm excited to see that on Revel because it really is starting to kind of happen um, at the moment. And like you said, I think the most exciting thing is is what we haven't seen yet. You know, like I think about it like blockchain technology, NFTs. Mm, you know, I think NFTs more than crypto. I think, but I, you know, that whole space. I think of it like going back to 1995 when the internet first come around and. S- not having a single clue that what it would eventuate into was Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, you know, social media as a whole. You know, back then we just thought it was like, oh, you put information on this page and that's as far as it goes. Um, And, you know, people were calling it back then after the dot-com bubble, they were saying, this is a fad, uh, only to realise that, you know, some of the most valuable companies in the world were going to come out of that time uh, and so was social media, probably the thing that's affected society the most over the last 20 years. Um, that, for me, is the most exciting thing about blockchain, going, well, we've probably exposed 1% of this and look at the value that's being created. What happens, what does this look like in 20 years? You know, like, and I wish I could predict the future, but the reality is I can't. But I'm excited to, to actually <coughs> be able to witness what's going to happen because you know i was too young in the dot-com bubble i was you know i was i was a bubble back then i think i was in grade two or three when 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 that would have happened or, or something like that so I'm, I'm pretty excited that now i'm at an age where i can completely indulge myself in that as in in this space and 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 learn and grow with it and be a part of it and innovate in it you know so i think there's going to be huge value unlocked and and like you said it's the unknown that actually excites me the most and what i could potentially create with it yeah like if our generation and the generation prior to us makes me sound old anytime i say that mm-hmm. now but it's, it's a reality you you owe it to yourself to partake you know i remember um funnily enough my ex-partner's grandfather was someone who rode the um the apple train you know um i think he bought in in like 1999 2000 just after the crash and that changed, you know, changed his life. And that opened my eyes to the idea. It's like, man, if this happens again, I'm not missing out this time. And I feel like we're definitely in an era where you owe it to yourself to partake. 100%. It's, you're not going to get an, exp- an opportunity like this ever again in your life. Not for, not for us. Not in our, no. not in our time. Yeah. No, definitely not. All right. So how do you – so this isn't, this isn't financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, that, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. this is not financial advice and and i think the answer should be not necessarily about particular projects but actually more so about how to go about thinking about investing if you're going to get into the space but if i gave you a thousand dollars how would you actually think about investing that one thousand what could it, what a, what you know uh, how can someone actually understand what steps to take are we talking from a literal space or like let's say we fundamentally know how to buy these things 
we're just determining where we want to be putting our money. Yeah, like maybe it's a certain category, you know, maybe it's gaming, maybe it's metaverse, maybe it's, you know, I mean, metaverse is kind of the global system, but kind of, you know, again, without it being like, go invest money in this thing, because that's, I don't think that helps anyone. It's more like, how, if you've got a thousand dollars, what do you do? So where where should you be looking? Yeah. For me, and the more I, I hate saying this out loud because it's so, I, I understand it now, but it's so insane to think about this. But virtual property at the moment is where I'm feeling like things are just going wild. You know, if I had $1,000 right now, that's where I'm looking because it's, it is becoming as, as hard as it is for a lot of us to grasp not so much necessarily for the 15, 16 year olds who are just running through these universes and metaverses anyway. Um, but it is very much a real thing. Virtual real estate is huge and it hasn't even been, it hasn't even been fully explored yet. Man, I, I, um, come across a project the other day, um, wild. So they're using the open code from Minecraft to create (coughs) uh, many digital worlds so you buy the NFT, yeah, and the NFT is the world. So, so the NFT is the sandbox, right? So, and then you can build experiences within that NFT, and they're all different. And there's ten thousand of them. So instead of being sandbox where you've got one bit and you buy a minute piece of that land, you're buying the NFT, which is the property, which is using Minecraft's open code, which we know. Minecraft story Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can kind of build on top of that and build experiences within that your NFT and and actually monetize them yeah imagine charging for that that see that's that's insane but that's where we're going so virtual real estate is huge and then you've uh, another one that is building a casino in sandbox yeah uh, which I've seen which is like you know they're, they're literally building a casino that you can walk into and play craps and slot machines and poker and and all these kind of things well imagine see that's the thing how long is it going to take until crown go okay we need a slice of this oh 100 percent, exactly and then all of a sudden you have that slice that they want no there you go you know early adoption or you know crown go and purchase this casino in sandbox for billion dollars yep because it's now then now they can deliver their services to anyone in the world Mm. because that's what it's worth yeah funnily enough a person that i know in perth that's quite quite well known in the gambling area they're looking at the technology at the moment you know i shouldn't i'm not going to name any names but when i heard that they were looking i was like oh they're going to get in there before crown and that and i'm I'm pretty i'm pretty sure bet 365 i know who they are yeah don't don't uh don't hold me to that but i'm pretty sure they launched their own token um so they and I'm pretty sure they plan to integrate it with the app. Um, so there's definitely a lot going on in that space, which is really exciting. But definitely, virtual property is one that we're not going to know the value of it until it smacks us in the face. When probably like you know, once the graphics and the experiences actually start to get built, because I feel like everyone's just buying and holding at the moment, mm. and there's like a mine minute amount of people that are actually building and creating experiences but once that coin flips those properties will be worth could i don't even want to want to think about it yeah it's wild absolutely wild um awesome all right so we're going to go to some listener questions now and we're going to start we're actually going to start with mardo's so mardo had a good question which i think will help a lot of people um so who determines the value of an NFT and how do you make money after the purchase, right? And, and I'll pre-frame this so that people understand what the question actually is. So the question is, is like, who determines the value? And then the follow-up question is, once you buy it, how do you then make money from it, right? And I think the integration that you might be able to explain is the floor price and some of these other kind of technical terms that actually help increase the value. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess it comes back down to th- who dictates the price is probably the con- consumers again. You know, if we're talking if we're talking initial market, obviously you set prices and people buy into it. So again, that comes down to you establishing a brand early and uh, ensuring the 
their early adopters are rewarded in some way. They might get an additional NFT by being an early adopter, right? And then from there, it's that consumer um, consumer trust interest blowing up, um, the, the brand itself blowing up, that, and that supply and demand comes back to that as well. You know, again, the consumers, the ones that the early adopters and the people that adopt later, up to that finite amount, however which way you control that. So you could have had it limited to 100, limited to 10,000. And then again, it comes down to in terms of how can you make money after the fact? Well, that comes down to what the project is providing. <coughs> so a big project like Board Ape, you know, it provides you access to individuals you might not necessarily have any access to any other way. Mm. You know, anything, everything from celebrities to NBA players and everything, right? And this is your opportunity to talk amongst them and them to actually have conversations with you because you're within that circle that's an exclusive circle. Now, all of a sudden, again, the consumers decide, the people, the owners of them, decide how much they want to, you know, want to give it on to someone else. Mm. And that's how you make money after the fact is because you're providing something by having that ownership. So that's, that's basically how it goes. Their floor price, so the floor price is effectively, in layman's terms, how much the lowest, the lowest value one is, right? How much is someone willing to sell it at? It's the minimum, it's it's minimum, minimum buy-in. Buy yep, minimum buy-in. So that minimum buy-in is obviously going to rise relative to the value that you're providing you create, yeah, yeah, as an owner. So, so Mardo, just to kind of explain that, it's like the, like as the value, so as you create more value for the community of people that actually hold the NFT, that means the lot, that means what will happen is, is that the percept, because value <coughs> is, one thing I want to reiterate, value is purely perception, right? So you, what, Josh could find valuable is completely different to what I could find valuable. So that's why it's important to have a project that talks to a particular person. As you create more value in the minds of that particular person, they are going to, there's going to be a minimum amount that those people are willing to sell for. So if I bought the, if I minted the NFT for 0.25 ETH or, you know, that's what's that, a thousand bucks. Then over time, the creators of that project create so much value that now the, the community as a whole says that we're not willing to sell for anything less than one Ethereum. All of a sudden now, the lowest or the, the minimum that, that any one of those NFTs could sell for is one Ethereum. So therefore, if you were to actualize the, those gains, you know, you would make... 0.75 ETH, which is $3,000. So that's essentially how you can make money from, a, I guess, an investment flipping standpoint. And then there's also the opportunity to actually go in and get a job, mm. you know, to, to in, in DAOs, decentralized organizations, the NFT might be access to the DAO, which means you can go in and actually provide value in there and actually get rewarded for that. So they're probably the two main ways and, and you know, the, each NFT project might be able, they might do an airdrop, they might have a token that they'll pay, they pay out to the investors. Like one of the projects is LooksRare, which is an NFT marketplace. Like OpenSea, you know, the way OpenSea make money as a company is they, from all the transaction fees generated from selling NFTs, that's how they make their money. Well, LooksRare, I don't know how much they're paying out, but they're paying out part or x amount of those transaction fees to all their holders of their token so you could essentially do the same thing with an nft project potentially from revenue generated and so on yeah so yeah. they're probably the two main ways that i i see it yeah that'd be the that'd be the two main ways and again that just highlights the um the possibilities with the technology i guess yeah i think the floor price is something that not a lot of people understand as well like when you get in and you kind of see well what's the floor price like how does that kind of come to fruition you mm. know has someone just set that um and, and somebody kind of comes in it, it can be really confusing to look at an nft and go why is that worth ten thousand dollars yeah <laughs> like why is a board ape worth fucking 23 million dollars right well in reality the floor price dictates that and we kind of just talked about what what creates that floor price. Yeah, because I, I remember when I initially went in, for, I mean, the, the most simple way to put it is it's the lowest possible value with which someone's willing to part ways with the NFT, right? I, I initially thought it was an aggregate, but it's not. And then that, that was what confused me because I was like, you know, you might, you might have a low floor price of like 0.1, 
but one might sell for 15. And then you've got to figure out, well, why? And it's like, because that one's quite a rare one and everything like that. But that's what I mean when it comes to, that's something that I kind of avoid in projects as well. It's better to find out why is the floor price rising? Is it because the value, and again, uh, you, you highlighted the point, the value over time has increased because of the utility that they've added over time in the background. That, that seeing that floor price go up based on that, that's a good sign of a good project for me as well. And mm. that's, you know, again, if you get in on those projects earlier, then a credit to you. And it's about execution, right? Mm. It's not promised utility. It's the utility a, a, a project can actually execute, which I think is the most important thing. Yep. Anyone can promise something, but can they actually deliver on it? And that's the key. Yeah, that's it. That's why there's that awkward phase in between where the project releases, the floor goes nuts, and then it slumps down. It's like, well, who's executing after the fact? It's the same as stocks, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, an announcement comes out and then, the, the you know, like the Tesla's the, 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 the one that you look at and they make an announcement of how many you know, cars they're expecting to be on the road and then they under-deliver and but their results are good and, and so on. It's kind of like, you know, the only difference is, is companies, public companies have to report Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 and usually that's what dictates majority of the price. Um deviations and, and so on mm. um cool so who do you follow and kind of how do you learn about the space is there anyone that you're following that you think has been like played a massive role in your learning um so far or like how do you actually think about learning about the space in general for me i'm i'm more of a reader there's uh, a a app called decrypt that i use a lot have you ever heard of that no i actually you know what i actually think i read about it maybe yesterday morning yeah i'm I'm a reader so decrypt has been huge for me because it's constantly talking about the how the space is evolving not just nfts crypto in general Mm. um one thing that i did early which again it, it just made me change how i was approaching it but i was following influencers you know, I initially, because I was just trying to get in for the flip and just thinking, all right, I might as well try and make bank off it. And you can, you know, because a lot of these public, um, these wallets are public, if you're watching them like a hawk, you can typically, do- I don't encourage this, <laughs> but like yeah. especially, you know, it's like d- day trading, right? Everyone wants to be a day trader until you become a day trader and you realize it's a sad and lonely life, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. You know, if you're watching these guys like a hawk, typically you have like a five-minute window where they buy something. If you get in early, then... You can flip it for them, but in terms of long term, I'm I'm I've been reading and YouTube again. You know, just start asking yourself questions. What is an NFT? How can I do this? Don't ask specific. Ask broad. I always say ask broad until you know what you want to get specific about. Because mm. if you get too specific, you might end up in an influencer's page where they're saying this is the next hot thing. Mm. What is an NFT? What is the informa- uh, What is the technology behind it? Mm. Uh, where is the space going? You know, those are the questions that I ask myself and either Googly, Googling them, YouTubing them, or if you prefer to read like I am, utilize something that's like a, a single point, like Decrypt. Yeah, 100%. Are you on Twitter? Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I used Twitter outside of NFTs for the first time yesterday. Like, you know, it's just not big here in Australia. It's the funniest thing I used it for as well is just looking at your jersey, but I used it to see whether or not OBJ was coming back on the field after he got injured in the Super Bowl game. And that's when I realized, I was like, man, I'm actually starting to use Twitter now. Twitter, Twitter is the place to go if you want information quickly. You know, the hashtag, the way that it's set up, you just type in what you want to know, and typically whatever's happening, you can find out quite quickly. Yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's a go-to for me lately. I mean, not lately, for probably the last six months. Just, you know, like you said, I, to be honest, it's purely crypto. Like, I only follow crypto and finance people. I've only had it since I've been in the space, but... Man, there is so many great minds writing great tweets <laughs> that teach you so much every single day. Especially with the way that it's developed. Again, if you want to know something specific, you just throw it in, and typically an authority in the space will usually be at the top. Yeah, hundred percent. And that, yeah, it's it's a great thing. But again, I'm starting to use it outside of NFTs now. So, um, how do you f- how to find a, a project that will be successful long term? This is the hard part. The The reality is, is you don't know. You know, like, it's almost one of those things where if you're a cautious investor, you'd buy in after the fact, right? Obviously, you take a bit of an L in terms of you don't get the lowest price available to you. But at the very least, you can start seeing a bit of execution on a project. And that can kind of highlight quite quickly whether or not the actual owners care about this project long term. 
So while you might not get that 0.05 entry point, you might get 0.1. Yes, it's double, but if you anticipate that it's going to be five Ethereum at some point, at least the very now, at least you have a bit more of uh, a few more confirmations that it's actually going to make it there. Mm. So it's all about understanding that roadmap, not necessarily, again, roadmap's like kind of a buzzword now, but understanding that there's, there's care and authentici authenticity behind a project and they have a clear vision of where they want to go. And then it's up to you, either buy in as an early adopter or buy in after you've seen them execute a little bit. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think the big thing that I look for when it comes to trying to see if a project, an NFT project, is going to be successful long-term is, especially now, is, is looking at the operator and, and really trying to see who's behind the project, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. and, and trying to find out as much as I can in that space and going, okay, and, and almost, is it a brand that's already existing how do they operate as a brand? So, you know, Nelk was a big one. Those guys are crushing it in terms of actually operating their business. Um, another one, Real Vision, that I got involved in as an early adopter. Like, they haven't minted yet. I actually paid a fee to get involved in the creation of it. Again, coming back to the operator and knowing who that was. Um, but I think that's probably one of the keys that I would put across as well is, like, do your research and look at it like it's a business. Yeah, like... And, and then start to look at who's at the helm, have a look at uh, is it a brand that already exists. If it's not, that's okay. It doesn't need to be, but who's at the helm? Like you mentioned before, are they transparent? You know, or is it do you, do you not get to know who the you know, who the person at the helm of the project is? You know, because then it can be more likely to be a rug pull or something like that. So, I think that's just something that I look for, and especially now is like, all right, I'm going to try to attach myself to either operators or brands that have been around for a long time, but mostly focusing on brand. What's the brand? Kind of what we said before, right? Is it all hype and no substance? Or does it have a bit of both, right? Yeah. Does it have substance? Does it have, you know, like, and, and again, that kind of also does come back to the, the person operating as well. All right, so can you talk a little bit about potential utilities that you see in the future? Someone's asked, so the, the question is, can you talk about potential utility that you could see attached to projects in the future? Uh, it's, it's, the sky's the limit, really. It's, it's a difficult question to ask because there's things that we haven't even really thought about yet. You know, like uh, timeshare. You know, imagine if you had timeshare on an NFT for a certain for a property or something like that. You know, it it's almost like look at everything that's happening right now, and it's likely that an NFT can be incorporated into it. Mm. So it's really difficult to nail down what can we see, because it's all it's more so about. And this is where the opportunity lies for people. Funnily enough, if you can see something, and you say that could probably be turned and utilized, NFT technology can probably be utilized to to do that and do it more efficiently, then jump on it. I think that that's probably a better way to answer it. Don't say what, don't ask us what, find out for yourself. Look it in your everyday life and go, that, that is something that could probably utilize this technology and try jump on it. Yeah, one it's of the, the qu simple question I, questions I asked myself last week was what do I currently use contracts for that could be replaced by a smart contract and what would a smart contract actually create or what value would it create in that kind of situation and it led me down the path of starting to think about more some thinking less about just what we see right now um, which is a lot of art and um, more going down the path of going okay well you know what kind of business and industries are still yet to kind of get involved in this that we could potentially see massive massive upside and more importantly what could I do in my business and how could I leverage it you know, in, in um, smart contracts to actually improve the efficiency and create more value for the people that are actually our stakeholders. And yeah. that's kind of an easy way for, that I thought about it. That's it. Again, look at what you're already doing and how can you transfer it to the new technology. Definitely. All right, my brother. Give everyone, let everybody know where they can find and kind of learn a little bit more about your project as well. Um, and, and, Give it a bit of a plug. Yeah, well, hey, if you want to get involved, again, I think it, for us, authenticity. If you're, into, if you're into gaming, you enjoy gaming, feel free to follow us on Fractured Apes. Uh, the Instagram's easiest place to go to start. FracturedApes.com is also the website. You can go there, and it will link through to the Discord. I think more than anything, 
check out the Discord before you do anything. That way you can see the authenticity, but you can also get involved in that community. If it's a community you want to be involved in. And uh, yeah, oh, I'm really excited. You know, it's just the beginning. Good good group of people. Good to bring family into it, you know, bring up the family a little bit. So um, yeah, I'm super excited and appreciate any support. I'm excited for you too, brother. It's, uh, it's a new world and, and I think it's exciting to see what the possibilities are and, and to be honest I was pretty excited to see that you were just jumping in, into the space and, and diving in because you're a good operator so um, you know definitely keeping a close eye on it myself. Thank you. Thanks for coming on as well brother you know it's um, appreciate your time. Marto thanks for putting the, the, the podcast together to our listeners really really hope that you enjoyed the episode. Uh, it's quite overwhelming at the moment with all the support that we're getting um, you know, like, honestly, can't thank you enough. Um, you know, if you are enjoying, make sure you subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is that you like to use, jump on that. But we really hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll, we'll see you next week. Take care.